0: You're listening to the Sunday podcast from LifePoint Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. We are going to continue in this series called Back the Basics, and today we are going to talk about marriages. Um, Some of you are already turning in your seats, and that's okay. Uh, I, I do enough counseling around here to know that. Many marriages right now are are struggling, um, not just at this church, but but everywhere. Really, uh, in this society that we live in, this very me-driven, God wants me to be happy society. This is something that happened, that is happening all over the country, and so it's not a coincidence to me that as soon as uh, as soon as it was announced that we were having this series that out of really the cracks and crevices, people would come to myself and other people on the staff and just say, hey, marriage is is struggling and it's failing and and we need help. And that's the perfect place to start. Um, Again, like I said last week, as a church, we want to be equipping you to do life well, to honor God and glorify God in all that you do. And we know that the most of the time that we spend is in our relationships with our, our kids, our spouses, and then Uh, our work environments, and our friendship environments. And so next week, Pastor Blake will be speaking on uh, other types of relationships. You won't want to miss that. It'll be his first time giving a sermon from this stage. So two of you are excited. He's a good guy, I promise. So go ahead and stand with me. We're going to read the word of the Lord together. Uh, Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 33 say this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of, of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed it and care for their own body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray. Father, as we stand before you in reverence, we just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word. God, that our spirits would rejoice at the truth even the challenging truth that comes from the the word today. Jesus, we love you and we want to honor you in everything that we do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. All right. Tough passage. Uh, I don't know many passages that get scrutinized as much as this one. Um, it's that word submit. We are a society that does not like that word submit. Submit is sum, sum, synonymous. That's a hard word. Uh, synonymous for weakness or failure or being less than. You know, I grew up the son of a very strong mother. My dad wasn't around a whole lot, as I shared last week. And as, uh, as the son of a strong woman who worked three jobs and did everything she could to support me and my, my three siblings, uh, growing up and really early into my walk as, as a, a young adult, this verse kind of bugged me. Because I read it that way as well. And I saw a mom, uh, my mom, I saw my, my mother-in-law, who is also a, a strong single mother, raised my, my wife on her own. Um, I saw that there are these two women that, could, that women that could really do anything that they set their mind to. And because of necessity, had to be a father figure to us as well. I've also been around long enough to know that, as hard as as they try, that they weren't designed to fully fill that role. And so there ends up being these gaps. And every teenager that I've counseled, every adult that I've counseled has in this society these kind of daddy issues, these deep issues that stem from either not having a dad around or having a dad around uh, who didn't live out this biblical uh, act of being a father and, and being a husband. So I struggled with this, but then as I continue to grow in my marriage and my walk with God and, and, and have a better understanding of what the text is actually saying, it made all the sense in the world. And I believe that's how you will leave here this morning, too. I was talking with Mary McKinney. She is our uh, really resident prayer warrior. She's over the prayer ministry here and just a, a lovely lady. And she was telling me she did a study on this passage many years ago and in the Arabic um, This word means to be devoutly devoted, to be so devoted to somebody that you will go with them wherever they lead you. And that's really kind of how we're going to look at it today as well. Guys, I want you to know right from the beginning that if you have been using this text or other text to lord over your wives, to to get what you want, we're going to take that away from you today. So um, you can choose not to listen, but wives, listen up. So, what happens in this text, uh, and really through this whole latter half of the book of Ephesians, is God establishes a very strong working order because He is a God of order. It says in verse 22 Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So what is important in this passage is this, is that God is a God of order. See, the the purpose of God is to glorify, God the Father is to glorify the Son. The purpose of the Son is to glorify the Father. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son and the Father. See, God in his grandness and his goodness has set up this order in this beautiful world that we live in. So that all things would glorify him, that all creations, that all marriages, that all relationships uh, have a chance to glorify who he is and to make a big deal about it. So God is a God of order, but even in the Godhead, there there is an established structure. You see, Jesus is no less than the father, but the father, Jesus submits to the father. The Holy Spirit is no less than Jesus. They are one. They work together, but they have separate roles. They are one just like we are in our marriages. You know, I worked in uh, woodworking for a lot of years, and I I was a supervisor over the the countertops area and uh, also did a lot of custom work. And I remember there was this one job and it was a, a really big commercial job and we were kind of in over our heads to some extent. It was kind of uh, a design that we had never done before. and didn't really have all, the, all of the, the tools necessary to do the job correctly. So there was probably six or seven of us on this job doing different pieces. Uh, just this section, which the, the section I'm talking about was like a reception desk at a, at a big uh, kind of executive office area. So just the the desks um, and the cabinets was about $85,000, which is a lot of money. So there's all of these different people working on this job. And I end up having to remake the countertop like four or five times. And every time I have to remake it, it costs the company more money. And the reason I had to remake it is because there wasn't really one person in charge. Everybody was kind of doing what they wanted to do. Everyone was interpreting the plans the way that they wanted to interpret them. And then we get it to the place and it doesn't work, it doesn't fit. Um, and being the kind of last step in the, in the process, the countertop guy, guess you had to remake him again. So uh, I learned from this story that it's important in all things for there to be order, for there to be somebody who is in charge uh, of projects, to be in charge, somebody that is submitted to, somebody that you go to in times of, of decision, in times of need. So, God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, they are one, their purpose is one, their goal is one. God, the Father, glorifies Jesus through the cross and through his resurrection. And Jesus, in turn, glorifies God, the Father, through the cross and his resurrection. And what's interesting about this is, just like in our marriages, even though their goal... The end goal, the final destination is the same. We have these beautiful passages where they may not necessarily agree on the way to get there. And the best example of that is Matthew 26. You've got Jesus in his final hours in the garden and he's crying out to the Father. And he says, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, can we do that? But if there's not, I'll submit to you, and we'll do it. See, the goal, the end purpose was to unite, reunite man to God. To show the power, the glory, the love that lies in our Savior. And Jesus says, hey, I know this is the goal. I know this is where we're going. But if there's another way, let's do that. And ultimately, he submits to God the Father. And so, God, in his wisdom, in his trinity, in his triune nature, if he sees it fit and necessary to have structure, to have order, then we must see the good and the benefited as well. You know, one of the problems we run into a lot in in counseling and marriages is husbands and wives don't have the same goals. You know, there's Parent, there's how, how are you going to parent? What are the goals in parenting? There is finances. What are the goals in our finances? There is how we treat one another, husbands to wives, wives to husbands. And what happen, happens often is we don't have the same goals. We're not even really in the same ballpark where we want to go in these directions. And then, often we do see goals that are similar but the methods to get there are so different that you can't reach the goal either. And it becomes a mess when someone's not designated to make the final call. You know in this case God designates men to make that final call. He calls men to lead the families. and He's not saying that men are better than women as the head. He's not saying that because they have this place of responsibility, this this, uh, this, this stature over the family, he's not declaring them as, as the uh, superior species. But instead, it's a severe responsibility to lead and guide our wives and our children. In 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven, it clearly states that we are all members of one body. There is not one part of the body that is more important than the other. The head is not important, more more important than the hands. The eyes are not more important than the ears. In fact, he goes on to say that we can't do it without each other. So what do we do when we can't agree on goals in the direction we're going? What happens when you've got this one kid, maybe the one that we talked about last week that's difficult, and dad is really harsh on this kid. And Mom thinks dad's too harsh. So she goes to him and says, hey, I think you're being really rough. I think, I think you're, you're making the matters worse. And dad says, that's my job. Let me parent. God gave me the authority, authority to parent. What happens when you're constantly running into those situations and you feel like you're drifting and, and you're not even on the same planet anymore? And this is where the challenge for men come in because I think we have abused, myself included, this, this God-given authority. Because if, go, if we go to verse 21, which I skipped on purpose, it says this, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, there's one thing that I know about women, and I don't know a lot. You guys are hard to understand, but I do know this, that women are doers. When there is a need, women will fill in, will step in, and they will feel that need to the best of their ability. And too often we see that men are not engaging their families the way that God has called us to. Too often we see that when it gets difficult, men, including myself, we shut down, we withdraw, We're emotionally absent, often physically absent. And so what women do is they step up and they try to fill that role the best that they can. And then things at home get all out of order and chaotic. The reason that happens is because of what it says in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because... Men, when we meet resistance from our wives, we clam up. When they bring to us their suggestions, their ideas, and I'm not talking about all men, but it is a, a generalization. They bring these, these ideas to us, and we, we shut down. You know, there was, there was a situation in, in our marriage early on, maybe two years in, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in, in a while here, but... Uh, Basically, what happened is I felt like we were supposed to make this life-changing, uh, this life-changing decision to move somebody somewhere else, just completely uproot my family. And all along, my wife kept telling me, I don't think so. I don't think so. And being wise, I did it anyways. Ultimately, everything worked out fine. But what I learned in that situation and many other situations is that my wife was given by God, this very sensitive spirit, and she, she hears from him too. I'm not the only person in our relationship who hears from God. That my wife is full of wisdom, and she sees things from a different angle than I do. And so early on, where I was this stubborn, I'm the man of this house, I'm gonna make the decisions, I learned really quickly to say, okay, this woman has wisdom. And God speaks to her too, so I started to listen. We talked, she was a stay-at-home mom early on, and then finances got hard, she went back to work, and for years she wanted to stay back at home with the kids. And I felt really strongly that God was saying, just step out in faith and do it, and he would take care of it. And I I shared that with her. I even boldly proclaimed that I thought that's what needed to happen. And she came back to me and she said, Josh, I may be disobeying God. I may be too afraid to let him have it. She's like, but I just can't do it. And I know my wife well enough to know if I would have put my foot down. If I would have put my foot down, she would have, she would have done it. She would have quit her job and, and stayed home. But you know what happened? Eight months later, I go to rehab for a drug addiction and she wouldn't have had a job. And I learned in that moment, because of the wisdom of my wife, I learned to just say, okay, maybe there's more to this than what I'm seeing. And So even though I had the ability and the authority to make that decision, I chose in wisdom to submit to what she was saying, to hear what she was saying. So men, lead. Be involved. Do things for the common good. Quit putting your wives in a place to do your job. Listen. It says in Proverbs that a wise man takes correction, but a fool abhors it. Let's operate in our biblical roles. Submitting to one another. Then in verse 5, it says, husbands, love your wives. Or you could read it, honor your wives. See, just like Christ's job is to glorify the Father and the Father's job is to glorify the Son, our job is to glorify God and honor God by honoring and loving one another. So men, when we take care of our wives, when we love our wives like Christ loved the church, when we love our kids and we go after their hearts, it glorifies the Father. When we take care of of our wives, and we treat them with respect. We hear the things that they have to say and take those into consideration. It glorifies and honors the Father. So ultimately, if we honor God first in all we do, if we take a second and say, God, does the way I'm treating my wife honor you? Does the way I'm treating my husband honor you? If we make that a habit, then we will find that we honor everybody that we're in relationship with husbands love your wives just as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless so men again when we respond to our wives we should ask ourselves is this how christ would treat his church Would he beat her down with his words? Would he treat her as unlovely or inferior? Would he remind her of all the places that she's weak? Would he point out that her body doesn't look the way it used to? Or would he instead encourage her in the places she has grown? Christ would exalt her and he would treat her lovely. He treats his church that way. He does not point out for our sake our flaws. See, when he was nailed to the cross and resurrected, resurrected, it was finished. And so no longer does he see our flaws. No longer does he see us as damaged or blemished, but he sees us as perfect. His resurrection did that. And he commands us to see our wives the same. He says, husbands, husbands. See your wives as I see the church. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So there's this constant reminder in this passage that we once we we join into that covenant, once we say those vows, that we become one. So when I hurt my wife, I hurt myself. When I beat my wife down with my words, I am beating myself down because if she is weak, then I am weak. I've got some really good friends and got like two good friends but one of them always says that and she points at her husband when she says this she says that when that when this isn't right this isn't right and when this isn't right this isn't right there's so much truth in that because when our relationships with each other get off when we're not glorifying when we're not honoring one another and glorifying god through the things that we do creates space we create space and when we're not following God and seeking him and trying to glorify and honor him in all that we do, then in turn we don't treat our spouses well either. So there is this reminder that our bodies are one. Our, we are spiritually connected. And that God commands us as men to take care of our wives like we would take care of ourselves. I thought it would be fun today to introduce you to my wife because a lot of you don't know her. So I'd like to call Miss Heather Miles up to the stage. So we have been married for 14 long and grueling years. (laughs) Uh, We got married young. We were the couple who got married young. I think we had all three of our kids by the time we were 24, 25. Um, Now we're in our mid-30s, and we have basically all teenagers. We have three kids. And uh, there have been some really bad times. There's been some really good times. Uh, As most of you know, just in the last year, um, actually over a year ago, it came out that I had uh, an opiate addiction that I was hiding, and um, even from my wife. And so it's been over a year now that that uh, we've been past that, that part of our lives, and God has done a lot of really good things to restore our marriage. Um, there was many challenges along the way. We also had amazing times together, and, and uh, the man you see up here, the, the man you see who is able to handle uh, the addiction the way that it is, is, is mostly because of how she has always seen the good in me my whole life I've never felt good enough for anyone and she has constantly reminded me that there is more for you, that God has designed you for great things. And so I'm blessed to have her up here with me. And I um, wanted to ask her some questions. First one is this. In light of everything we have gone through, including the bad decisions, how do you submit to me when you feel like you can't trust me or that I'm not hearing from God?
1: Um... That's a good question, and I'm sure that's a question a lot of women probably want to know too. Um, I am reminded of David and his battle with Goliath, and if you've looked into that story or you've read that story at all, you know that Goliath wasn't David's first battle, that um, he faced a lion and a bear, and there were smaller battles prior to the one that was the most important. And I believe that I have, God has given me a couple battles to prepare me for a bigger moment. And uh, one of them was the one you spoke about earlier, um, moving to Colorado. So early on in our marriage, um, my husband wanted to uh, take a position at the place he was, the, he was working for in Colorado. And for me, I was already a little skeptical, but I wanted to support him. I felt like leaving behind my family. I had a six month old at the time I was worried about. So I just began to pray. I prayed and said, Lord, what is it that you are wanting? Not what we want, but what is it that you want for our lives? And um, I really felt like God said, you're not supposed to go. So I approached my husband and I said, Josh, I'm not so sure this is the right decision. I really feel like you need to pray about it more and seek the Lord. And I don't feel like this is what we're supposed to do. But to submit was then give him the ultimate decision. Whatever he chose, I was going to support him no matter what decision he made. And maybe I wasn't the one hearing properly. um, So I just decided I would submit to him because God ultimately had my heart and my kids. Um, He had what was going to happen and planned for them and to protect us and keep us safe, and he, he would take care of me no matter what happened, and that is ultimately where I was putting my trust. Not that I don't trust him. He makes lots of decisions that I do are from the Lord. It's just in that particular moment, I didn't feel like that's what God wanted from us, but I was going to submit, and I prayed and said, Lord, would, would Josh be able to see you in the situation? Shortly after we moved, um, I was driving our truck, and the transmission went out on the way to Colorado. And then about 20 miles from where we were supposed to be. And then as Josh pulled the car off of the towing trailer of our 24-foot U-Haul, he ripped the front end off because he didn't unlatch something from the car. So now here we are in a new state. (laughs) Uh, Don't know anybody, don't have family or support or church yet, and um, we have no cars. And then to make matters even more awesome, uh, the apartment we were supposed to move into, the previous renters had destroyed it and they needed more time to prepare the apartment. So now we didn't have a place to live for a week. So um, in all of that, I could have rubbed it in his face and said, see, I told you this wasn't God, but I didn't. I supported Josh and I said, God will figure it out. He knows what he's doing. And And I knew that God would speak to Josh's heart and show him that maybe this isn't what we were supposed to do. Um, as we lived there for about a year, and as I continued to just pray things through and pray God's will over what we were supposed to do from there, um, the Lord did move on Josh's heart, and he made circumstances happen that only God could do, and um, we were able to sell our house full asking price just before the market crashed, which was amazing, and that was totally the Lord, and he did provide, and he did take care of me, and um, it was It was a small battle but it it helped me for future battles that i knew you know that i would face so um does that answer the question
0: yeah no definitely and the the truth of that story is yes i've done some idiotic things and secondly is that you know we wouldn't be at life point if none of that happened um we wouldn't have ever moved out to santan valley so so even though uh There were warning signs that that I ignored and didn't really take the advice of my wife. Um, God had a purpose, and he used it for our good like he always does. And that's ultimately what gave you the faith was that you knew that even if it looked different or turned out differently, ultimately God would use it for our good. So uh, the second part of that question was how do you follow your husband if you feel like you can't trust them? Because I know there's, you know, women women in here and, and men who have had things happen to them, and it's really hard to trust their spouse right now.
1: Oh, that's a tough one, huh? Well, I would say I do. I would say that trusting somebody that you love when you've been lied to, or maybe there's been infidelity, or um, something behind the scenes and it comes to light, and suddenly you can't trust. That's a really hard place to be in. But um, the goal of it is always that you're trusting the Lord your savior, that he's going to take care of you, that, um, that he's the one that brings all things to the light, that he exposes darkness. And, um, even when I don't trust, I still respect and I honor God because I know that the Lord loves me, but he, he loves Josh even, even more than I love Josh. And he loves your spouse, your children more than you do. So when you have trouble trusting, you're not supposed to lean on your spouse your children. They're not supposed to be your support. The Lord is supposed to be your support. Jesus Christ is the one that is supposed to be the one you cling to when you feel like you can't trust. And you do what you can do and what God tells you to do, but ultimately you put your trust and your foundation in him. Amen.
0: Amen. So we skipped verse 33 on purpose. Verse 43 says this. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. So it says in this passage that the most important thing for a wife is to feel loved. And for the husband to feel respected. Like 99% of our our fights, if not 100, is because I feel disrespected and she feels unloved. A great example of this, and I think, Any couple in here, married or not, has been through this. You get in the car, going to eat somewhere, and I turn to her and say, hey, babe, where do you want to go to eat? And the answer you always get is, I don't care. Anything, right? So then I say, okay, we're going to go to this place. I don't like that place. Okay. We're going to go to this other place, and we're going to get this. I'm just not in the mood for that. I had that yesterday. Okay. So then what happens is because... She has asked me to make the decision and then now taking the decision away from me is how I perceive it I feel disrespected because I just disre- feel disrespected then I am unloving by saying something along the lines of of fine you choose you always get what you want anyways go ahead right and so then now she feels unloved so then she comes back and says look at you backing out you can't ever follow through on a choice this is you when things get hard you just back down right and so it creates this like crazy cycle. That's not every time, praise God, because the kids would, would not be able to stand it. Um, but I'm sure that looks like a lot of your relationships. So uh, it's so important. It's so important for you to feel loved and for me to feel respected. So what are some practical ways that you show honor and respect to me?
1: Um, first of all, honoring... Honoring you and respecting you is um, it's more than just your actions. It's not talking bad about you in front of the kids. It's um, p- politely bringing my opinions, my views, what I feel like God's saying to you, and um, honoring you in whatever decision you make. Uh, practically, um, respect can look so, so different on every different level, but respect is ultimately letting you have the last say. Letting you have the ultimate decision and trusting that the Lord will work everything out and um, that he'll speak to your heart because he's not just speaking to me, he's speaking to you too. And um, I think respect is being honoring with our words, um, how we talk to each other and uh, giving you the final say, honestly. Um, <laughs> on the flip side... <laughs> It's important for myself and all wives to feel loved and cherished, um, to feel protected. That's a big one for me, to feel safe. What do you do to help me feel all those things?
0: First thing I do is not take the microphone from you, (laughs) ever. Um, Yeah, so it's been my experience in my relationship and and then walking with so many of you is that what's most important to the wife is to feel emotionally supported is you know as men we go to work and it's hard and and you know we we leave everything out we try to leave everything at work but ultimately we come home stressed out sometimes and then you encounter your wife and she wants to tell you about her whole day and like there's every detail even the shoes she was wearing on with when the kid puked on it and what color the puke was on the shoes and what so and so said and what she was wearing and like there's all these details and as a guy it's really easy to tune that out um but it is so important to, to be there and to not only be present, but to actually listen. So we have uh, what our kids hate, but we've had it since they were little, what we call couch time. And it's 10 minutes every day when, when we get home and we just spend time together talking to one another and, and, and listening uh, to each other. Uh, a key difference is, is guys, we like to fix things. Like if one of you calls me and says, hey, this is the, car, the sound my car is making, like we want to try to fix that. Um, it's not the same with, with women usually. They want to be heard and, and understood. And uh, so what often happens is she'll tell me what's going on in her day, what she experienced at work. And I listen, and then when she's done, you know, I, I've learned to ask this question. Are you open to feedback? And, uh, you know, do you want a solution? And sometimes she says yes. And if she says yes, then I take that moment, fill with as much grace as I can uh, to help her and, and, and guide her through that without making her feel like her feelings don't matter or that she was wrong or anything like that um and then there's times where she says no I don't you know I don't want any feedback so I just continue to listen um you can always say is there anything I can do to help and then there's other times where she says yes I start talking and she's like no I'm good so (laughs) it's just being ready for whatever um being what she needs in those moments and and I I think that's a, a good way for you to feel safe and protected Last question is, if you had one piece of advice for all the couples and future couples, what would it be?
1: That's a pretty easy one for me. Um, Not to give the general answer what everyone expects, but I really believe that it's Christ. Having your foundation in your marriage on Christ. Knowing who you are, what God's called you to, and obeying him in everything that you do. Knowing that you're loved by your creator. Knowing that... um, you have a plan, and a pur- he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you know that you're loved, you'll naturally love your spouse. You'll naturally want to respect them, love them. It'll be easy to submit, it won't be a taxing thing. It'll be, Lord, I love you so much. This is easy to submit to him because I know you've placed him in my life. And um, that would be the one advice I would give people is to make sure you're firmly rooted in God's love. And um, yeah.
0: That's, that's really the only thing that kept us together. Um, we both came from, you know, neither of us had a good example of a Christian marriage growing up. Uh, neither of us had good example or good relationships as, you know, as teenagers. And here we are, young, married with kids. And I'll be honest with you, the first years were, they were, they were rough. I mean, there was a lot of yelling, a lot of name calling, like every unhealthy thing that you could, could have in a young relationship But we had Christ in the center. We both loved God. We were both involved in church. We were earnestly trying to love each other. And and, uh, ultimately what that led us to is is action. So we've been a part of marriage small groups for a lot of years. We've done a lot of studies together, um, you know, seminars together. Like anything we could to learn about how to relate to each other and, and how to honor God in our marriage. There's a lot of really good books. If you're interested in any of the studies we've done, please come. Uh, please come see us, but I can tell you that if Christ wasn't the sinner, if, if honoring him through our covenant that we made, you know, when we were young kids, um, if that wasn't number one, we wouldn't be together. And so anybody in here saying, I can't endure this, you can endure it, I promise. You know, if it feels like your life is falling apart because this other person is absent, it's just a simple reminder that Jesus needs to be elevated, and that's okay. We all have idols in our lives. They seem healthy, but they can be unhealthy. And so um, put Christ in the middle.
1: There, I, I do want to emphasize um, those that are struggling, um, like a marriage small group or even a study together with your spouse at home. Um, there's lots of really good studies, uh, some that have really impacted Josh and I. Uh, the five love languages was one of them, knowing each other's love language. Um, love and respect was a great, um, study on God's word. And, um, it really helps you to understand how we're created differently, but how God's created us to help each other. And, um, not just in our marriage relationship, but also with coworkers, our children, those kinds of relationships too, that are so important. Um, those studies really help you just to grow and understand.
0: Awesome. Well, let's close in prayer. God, we thank you so much. Thank you for the things that you have revealed to us today. God, I pray that you would bless us where we're at. God, for those who feel like they're ready to give up, those who feel like it's, it's over, God, I pray that they would find their strength in you this morning. God, for those spouses who are not present, who have already left or plan on leaving, God, draw them back to their first love. Remind them of the covenant that they have in you. God, give us the willingness and the courage to do hard things in our lives. Help us to love our wives and respect our husbands so that we can honor you. It's in your magnificent name we pray, amen.